Thank you. It's been a full morning already, hasn't it? And here we go. We're just starting with a bit of a preach. How are we all going? Great. Do we need to stretch a little bit? No. no? I like it. I'm just telling you what. Awesome. Thank you, Stuart. I like a bit of audience participation. It helps. It really does, right? Even if it's just a smile like Seth's given me, it's very encouraging, isn't it? Alright. Okay. It's good to start with a bit of a frog in your throat, isn't it? <laughs> Alright. Okay, Owen, can you maybe get rid of these lights if we can too, just so that people can see it a bit better? So, looking up at the screen, this is where you're allowed to have the audience participation part. The next screen. <laughs> Can anybody tell me what kind of plant is going to come from these seeds? Where's the audience participation? A sunflower, someone said. Yeah, I'm not sure about the sunflower, they're pretty obvious, aren't they? Anyone? A guess? A mustard seed. Yeah, you're not right about that one. That's all right. One more guess. Wheat. Someone said wheat. No, it's not weed either. I've got an easier one. Owen, can you show the next one? I don't want to be too mean. Poppies? Opium. No, no. I'm not into that. Anyone else? Another guess? Someone else said a mustard seed. So we've got a mustard seed for the last one and mustard seed too for this one. Alright, I'm going to... Chia seeds. Lauren said chia seeds. They do look like chia seeds. But she's wrong. <laughs> all right, I'll put us all about out of our misery because we've spent enough time already. This is actually a cactus seed. Yeah, I know. And the one before was some sort of daisy. So it's amazing, isn't it? All right. So Jesus said that we will know a tree by its fruit, but we actually can't see the fruit at this stage, can we? So how can we know when we go down to Bunnings like I did that what I'm going to get is what is on the front of the packet? Unless, of course, there is you know, a mistake in the warehouse, usually we get what's on the front, don't we? Yeah. yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? But what if I took this packet home and opened it up, saw what was inside and went, I'm going back, I'm a dissatisfied customer, and I said to them, I went home, I opened it up, and all I got was a handful of seeds, and I bought gerberas. None of us would do that, would we? Because we have a bit of an idea about seeds, don't we? All right. So we know that seeds are amazing things. Well, maybe we do. Everything that is needed to become a fully mature plant is contained in the seed already. So in reality... I have bought gerberas. I just haven't created the right environment for them to grow, have I? To, to be revealed as the gerbera that they are. So I've got no way of telling, just by looking at the seed, what plant it's going to produce. Unless you're a horticulturalist and it's in your sort of job to know what seeds look like. But what we have to do is to trust that the seeds in the packet actually match the picture. And we have to follow the instructions, don't we? It's no good not following the instructions. All right. <coughs> Sorry. 
Okay, so in the Bible, tell, uh, Peter tells us this. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. <coughs> Jesus himself is the living and enduring word of God. He is the imperishable seed that has made us into new creations. So we've been given a new heart and a new spirit. And Jesus lives in us by the Holy Spirit. Where? In our spirit. Okay. All right. Can we have the next diagram? I've shown this one before and I've apologised for the clunkiness of it, but I think it's really, it's done wonders for me to understand how we as people operate and are to know spirit, soul and body. And so hopefully you will find this helpful as well. So I believe that the Bible shows us that our heart overlaps the area of our spirit and soul. So parts of our heart are in the area of our spirit. So I've got the spirit here in yellow and that, and I'm saying it's in yellow, if you have said yes to Jesus, you've become a new creation and you've been made alive to Christ. So that's the yellow part, right? So part of our heart is there and part of our heart is still in the area of our soul, which hasn't been renewed. And that's where our mind, emotion and wills are. So when the beliefs in my heart, both hearts, are in alignment with each other, we can see that the heart itself acts like a valve or a gateway for all of God's abundant life to flow into our soul and our body. I'm going the wrong way, aren't I? So likewise, next slide. When the beliefs are not in alignment with each other, it can hinder or can stop the flow. Can we see that? That's, that's pretty easy to see, isn't it? Can I get a nod? I'm getting a few nods. Mm -hmm. Okay, so keep looking at that. The imperishable seed, which we know is Jesus, he's the word, has been planted in the renewed hearts of everyone who has recognised and believed Jesus as Messiah. So he's in there, in that yellow <coughs> What we need to do is to align the beliefs in the unrenewed part of our hearts to the truth already planted in our renewed heart and spirit. So just like the seed of a plant, the imperishable seed contains everything we need for life and godliness. It has a purpose and nothing can cause defect or decay to this seed because it is incorruptible. The seed is enduring and it never changes. But the condition of the unrenewed part of our heart determines the fruitfulness seen in our lives. Can I say that again? <coughs> the seed in the yellow part, well, we'll just remember that, in the yellow part, it never changes, it's enduring. But the condition of the unrenewed part of our heart determines the fruitfulness seen in our lives, in our soul and in our body. All right. Are we doing all right? Yeah. A lot of words. Just take a deep breath. Think about what I've said. I want you to stay with this thought just a little bit longer because I want to say it in a different way. Are we ready for it? Yeah. Okay. Good audience participation in the front row. Thank you. 
All right, Jesus was a preacher of the kingdom of God, yes? Yes. Okay. Many of his parables were about the kingdom and how to live in it, wasn't it? Yeah. So according to Jesus, unless you were born again, you can't see the kingdom. And that word for see means to perceive or to enter into or to experience. And he said that the kingdom of God is within you. Does it sound a bit familiar from what Mark was saying this morning? Yeah, slightly. So, unless you've got the yellow part happening, you can't perceive the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is within you in the imperishable sea. Have we got it? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Awesome. All right. So this morning, if you have said yes to Jesus and you have been born again, you've been born of that imperishable seed and you now have that ability to perceive and experience the kingdom of God. I've said it a hundred times now, it should be sort of getting in there a bit. So what does the kingdom refer to, which is in the yellow part? It refers to that realm where God rules and reigns and where all of his resources are available, like Mark said this morning. All right, to avoid any more confusion today with the terms, from now on I'm just going to say our spirit or spirit when I'm talking about the renewed heart because it resides in our spirit and I'm just going to say heart for our unrenewed heart. That's very small, isn't it? I didn't do a very good sizing. You're in the front row. Sorry about you in the back, but you've got to sit closer next time. That's not on me then. All right. All right, so with this foundation this morning, let's have a look at the parable of the sower and the seed. And just for time's sake, I'm only going to be looking at Jesus' explanation of the parable. So if you're unfamiliar with that story, then go and check uh, Mark chapter 4 out. All right. So it says, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So the seed that falls beside the path are those who are not born again. They haven't got that yellow bit in them. Satan immediately steals the word. There's no receptivity in their hearts, not yet anyway. And we can see that the word doesn't remain in them. He goes on to say, Others like seeds sown on rocky places... Hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Makes sense, doesn't it? That a seed that is sown in shallow ground is going to be able to spring up pretty quickly because it doesn't have much dirt to push through, does it? But it also doesn't have the advantage of putting its roots deeper down into the soil where the nutrients and the moisture is. So it's, it's got to be nurtured a lot more and watered a lot more because it runs the risk of drying out when the heat of the sun comes onto it. Now I'm sure we've all known people who have enthusiastically embraced Christ when they first come to him. And there's often a lot of excitement and emotion when someone comes to Jesus rightly so. But who knows that emotions come and go 
and they can lie to us as well, can't they? So a relationship, even one with God, based purely on emotion, is unlikely to last the distance. We all need to count the cost of being a follower of Jesus. And for many, while Jesus is their saviour, they haven't actually made him lord of their life. So notice here when we were reading that the troubles and persecution that comes is on account of the word. It's come from an outside source. God is not bringing the trouble. Jesus warned, the world will hate you because it hated me first. So when pressure comes for being a Christian, who knows that those fantastic emotions at the start don't often stay around. Have you found that to be true? doesn't always feel really good, does it? Trouble because of the word might look like a fence. Not a picket fence, a fence, you know, like a fence in your heart. If, if something in the word doesn't line up with the way that we see things, our view and opinion of how things should be, then we can develop a fence in our heart, can't we? And we stumble if we're not willing to lay down our view and opinion and actually elevate the word over that. So the outside source of pressure does not benefit the seed in growing. It merely exposes what, if anything, has already, already been established in our hearts. If the word is more established in our hearts, thinking of the roots again, if it's deeper down, then we're going to be more resilient when the pressure comes. And it's the word itself that will continue to grow and mature as it is exposed and as we continue to plant that word. As James says, allow perseverance or patience, which is the fruit of the spirit, it's there in that imperishable seed, allow it to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking, not lacking in anything. Alright, let's keep moving. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what's happening here? There is an acceptance and value of the message of God's word, but there's also an acceptance and valuing of the message um, that the world is trying to communicate too, isn't it? There's two things going on. And it's understandable, isn't it? The pressures of relationship problems or health issues or financial difficulties, they're readily seen and experienced. And in fact, we don't even have to try to experience them, do we? They just come. Every single one of us has had pressure in some area of life at some time. What God's word promises is not seen or experienced at first. And we don't sense it with our natural senses at first. So it is discipline to train ourselves to look beyond the facts of the circumstances of the natural world and look into the truth of the spiritual realm. That which we've already got within us given freely in that yellow part, right? Remember the packet of seeds. You can't see it with the naked eye, but the gerbra is already formed in the seed. 
Are we doing all right? We're following? Yeah, got a few nods. See, we either have the choice to sow the message of the world into our heart or to uproot those seeds and nurture the word that's already been planted in our spirit by bringing into alignment the beliefs of our heart. Keep thinking about that diagram. The more that we've got it in alignment, the more that that abundant life, that power of God's word is, is able to come out into our lives. Bible tells us transformation happens when we renew our mind to God's word, his truth. We're to take every thought captive in every area of our lives and bring it to the obedience of Christ. That is, we're having to actively bring our thinking into alignment with his view and opinion. And that is the very definition of repentance, isn't it? To change our mind, to change our thinking. So unless God's word is valued over the world's message, it will be choked out. So there's a spiritual law called the law of the seed. And this law states that every seed bears after its own kind. So if I plant apple seeds, I can't expect an orange tree to grow in its place, can I? Likewise, if I sow worry and anxiety, I cannot expect to sow to reap a harvest of peace. It's not to say we don't feel worry and anxiety, but it's what we allow to stay there and what we meditate on. Peace is already available to us in seed form. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But if I plant seeds that contain a contrary message, they will choke out the good seed, hindering its growth and ability to be good fruit in my life. So let's just stop here, because this is a really important point. And it's something that only you can answer. No one else can answer this for you. But what are the seeds that you're sowing in your heart? Is, is that an uncomfortable question? I kind of hope it is because I think it's time for us to get uncomfortable. If you want to enjoy the freedom that Jesus brings and you want to experience the abundant life that is in Christ, then you have to get serious about what seeds you're sowing into your heart. And this is not about condemning anyone. You know what? Jesus isn't even condemning you. The Bible says that it's our hearts that condemn us, but that God is bigger than our hearts. So if you can take hold of the truth that the incorruptible seed is in you, then it should become clear that God is not withholding anything promised in the word from you. The thorns that come originate from the world and even our own thinking. It's not from God. He wants us to be fruitful and has done everything for us to be. But we have to do our part by persuading our hearts of all that he has done in Jesus. And we have to weed out everything contrary to this, even when in the natural it looks foolish to do so. Do you know what? God's not trying to trick us up. He's not. All right, let's keep going. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, 
and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now it doesn't say here that the soil was free from troubles or persecution on account of the word or that the worries of life didn't start to appear. We're living in this world and all of that comes with living in the world, right? The difference, I think, firstly, is that transformation has happened by renewing the beliefs of the heart. And secondly, those seeds from the world were not allowed to actually take deep root in the soil of our hearts. Now, all of this is a journey of the heart. And while we may see some fruit in some areas of our lives, there will be other areas where the fruit hasn't manifested. And I say yet, because it always can. So it might be helpful to explore another spiritual law at this point. And this is called the law of seed time and harvest. He also said, that being Jesus, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or he gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Now what would happen if the farmer, only after one or two days of sowing the word, went out and, and dug up the soil? Or even if he pulled out the little blade of whatever you call it. Or even the head of the kernel was there, but it, it wasn't quite ripe yet. He wouldn't yield the crop would he, that was promised in the seed? Was the seed bad? No. Did it produce what it would have if it had been left in the good soil? No, no. Did it produce, did it produce, if you pulled it out, did it produce what would have been left in the good soil? No. I'm so glad for the audience participation because others probably didn't hear it right. It didn't produce what was promised because it wasn't left in. Sometimes we do actually nurture the word in our hearts, but too often we've pulled it up, we've pulled up that sprouting seed too soon, and in doing so, we've actually sowed seeds of doubt and unbelief about the word of God into our heart. And you know, we might say at that point, well, this seed isn't right, it doesn't produce what was promised. And this is where disillusionment with God can creep in. And I believe God is so grieved if you find yourself in this place where you're disillusioned with him because he wants you to be so close to him and he wants to be so close to you. Unfortunately, we can use our experience in the natural to inform us instead of reading the instructions on the packet about how the seed operates and trusting in that. So an example of this might be the idea that it's not always God, God's will for the fruit to manifest. Now we may have learned this from our own experience or we may have learned it from other people's experience or we've had people we've trusted who have told us this, that the fruit is not always guaranteed. And this is a very well accepted idea in a lot of the Christian world. But we have to be very careful not to hold too tight to thinking that we have arrived at all the answers about God 
his nature, his character, and the way that he works. We always have to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us through his word. And Jesus talked about this to the Pharisees a bit. He said, you cancel the word of God, making it of no effect in order to hand down your own tradition. So what we've unknowingly done in these situations is to sow some thorns into our hearts. Now hear me clearly this morning. This doesn't mean that someone doesn't love God or that they haven't even made him Lord or that they don't have enough faith. We've heard that one, haven't we? We've all got faith. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's in that yellow part already, okay? If we have never understood these principles, how can we operate them in them? But do you know what? If you have understood these principles, none of us are operating them perfectly in our own lives, right? So there is no place for blame or fault-finding of people, but especially of God. So how do we nurture the Word of God and allow it to grow deep roots in our hearts? Let's finish with what Jesus said. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. Another way of expressing that is to say to dwell in me, to make your home in me, to live in me, to be intimate with me. So ultimately, ultimately, we need to develop a relationship with Jesus. You know, we spend time in his presence, worshipping him. We have to feed on the word. You know, that means read, on, read it and meditate on it. But you're not, you know, if you're not in the word, how do you actually know what it says, for starters? And if you're not in the word, how can the Holy Spirit do his job, which is to bring to remembrance the words that Jesus spoke? We're sort of making it a bit hard for ourselves, aren't we? So give yourself some time and space to ponder the word. Reflect on it and meditate on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to make the word alive to you and to show you how to apply it to your life and what thorns need to be uprooted. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us and it is by him and the word of God that we grow but we have to be co-laborers with him. I feel like I've just gone, whoop, a lot of words, really quick. Probably hasn't felt quick because the soup's out there. But I hope if you take anything away this morning is that you have a yellow bit inside of you. <laughs> just remember the yellow bit. <laughs> and what's in the yellow bit? The Spirit, which is the imperishable word of the word, seed of the word. <laughs> you know, haven't even. There's so many things that could have been fleshed out in this. So I, I'm sorry. It sort of feels like it's been a bit shallow. But you know what? I can't tell you any more. Mark and Ali can't. Nobody can actually do this for you. You have to take responsibility and go home. And, and get into the word and sow it into your life. 
You know, I'm excited about that. I've been sort of um, renewed in my excitement about getting into the Word and just spending that time and asking Him, what is it that I need to get rid of? Because I want more of the yellow in my actual world. Okay. All right. Do you want to pray or I'll just pray? All right. Now, I will just pray, but I want to encourage you. There's a prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians from Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. Go home and read that. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. Great one to pray for other people. Great one to pray for ourselves. And it, and it sort of is praying a lot of what I was talking about this morning. So let's just close our eyes. Lord, we thank you that you were good and only good and that we have just um, been able to witness that and testimony of that this morning right throughout the service. And we pray, Lord, that we would remember what you want us to remember from the word shared this morning. Holy Spirit, we know that you are the faithful teacher. And so we make a decision now to yield ourselves to you, to lay down our view and opinion, Lord, and to take up your view and opinion. I thank you, Lord, that you never leave us, that you pursue us, your goodness is pursuing us, and you're not trying to trip us up. And so we thank you, Lord, for the soup as well. And we thank you, Lord, that we can go out this week and share the seed of the word with others as well. In your name we pray. Amen. That's great, thank you.